This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. Remember the word says that uh, just as iron sharpens iron, so one brother or one man sharpens another. And the way that's done is by friction. I don't know if you've understood that or not. No, we, we are sharpened because we've grown dull and The only way to make that dullness sharp again is to apply a lot of friction. And sometimes when we're dull in our Christian life and someone wants to come and sharpen us, we say, whoa, 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 I don't need that in my life. And yet everyone around you looks and says, oh, yeah, you do. You really do. We are called to have unity but still be individuals in our purpose, callings, and gifts. These gifts are for a distinct purpose from the Lord. However, we should not be our main focus. He brought us together not for ourselves, but for the greater glory of Him and to impact the lost world around us. This sometimes pushes us out of our comfort zone, like when iron sharpens iron. We have the tendency to stay away from this because of the friction it creates, but it is so needed. Well, let's join Pastor David in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 4, for part one of our message entitled, The Need for Our Diversity Within Our Unity. Paul speaks of this, and you don't need to necessarily look at it this way, but he speaks of this requirement of individuality when he speaks to us in Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 6, when he declares, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individual members of one another. So on the one hand, there, there is this collective thing. We do come together, but there's still this great individuality of, of thought and purpose within the body of Christ. And remember, as we've been saying for the last few weeks, as we've been in chapter 4, that the church is unity that's made up of diversity. Or to put it another way and kind of look at it from a, from a different mindset, saying the same thing, the church is great diversity but yet it's joined together in a holy unity. It's a great diversity that can come together only because of the Holy Spirit drawing us together in that unity. We who are many become one as part of the body of Christ, and yet we're each individuals in our particular purpose, callings, and giftings. There's a need for diversity within the unity of the body of Christ. And as I've shared with you before, if we were all alike, then we wouldn't need the rest of us. Most of us would be irrelevant. We would just be repetitious. This is the individuality, the peculiarity, if I can use that word. Some are more peculiar than others. But anyway, uh, the peculiarity, the particularity of, of each one that really makes the church who the church needs to be. And although our focus this morning is going to be primarily in verse 16 of Ephesians chapter 4, I want to take uh, the opportunity to kind of look at that broader scope, also looking at that Romans 12 passage and also in 1 Corinthians 12. I want to back up a little bit, getting into Ephesians 4, 
kind of get a running start into that passage of verse 16 to, again, keep it within the context. Because when we teach the Word of God, regardless of where we're at, what we're studying, whether it's one verse or a section of verses, if we don't take it within the context of the whole, it's really easy to askew the purpose and the real meaning and intent of it. And so I want to back up and let's look at Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 11, and I'll read through uh, verse 16. In verse 11 of Ephesians 4, Paul says this, And he himself, speaking of Christ, And Christ himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. So here we have four or five differing gifts that are given to the church. But he goes on. The reason they are given, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. These gifts are given, in other words, for a purpose, for a distinct purpose that God had in mind as he gave those gifts to the church. In verse 13, he says, till we all come to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, as we shared a couple of weeks ago, these gifts were given for a particular time, and we're not there yet. We've not all come to the unity of the faith or to the fullness of the knowledge. We, again, this is something that still continues. Verse 14, he goes on. He says he, he's given them that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head. Christ, and then verse 16, Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. The whole body joined and knit together. With every joint supplying to the whole, every joint effectively working, every joint doing their part. And with that, it causes growth to happen and the church itself, the body itself, being edified in love. Now, we've been called, church, we've been called to one great body. That is the body of Christ, universal. We've been called, but this isn't just some form of organization. It's not because I've come and I've joined an organization and I'm a card-carrying member of Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. No, there there is no such thing, by the way. We're part of something much greater than that. We're we're part of a living organization. Organism, not just an organization. We're part of an organism that, that is not, not only alive and living and breathing, but an organism that, that every once in a while stumbles. Every once in a while, uh, man, there, 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 there's pressure from the inside, pressure from the outside. We're part of something that, that again stretches and grows and sometimes even within it, individuals are stretched and, and they grow within it. That's the kind of organic thing that God pulled together when He called together the church. Not that we would be this sterile and rigid organization, but that we would be living organic and that it would impact not only the lives of those who are a part of it, but that that organism would impact the area and the community and the world that we live in. That's the purpose. That's the intent of the church. We God did not bring us together just for ourselves. He brought us together for the greater glory of his kingdom to impact the world that's around us. 
Unfortunately, there's some Christians who continue to walk, they continue to exist in their Christian experience as immature children. Like he says, they're tossed to and fro. They're, they're babies in the faith. Elsewhere, Paul says that, man, I, I wanted to come and speak to you as, as, as mature ones, but you're still babies. You're still children. I've got to still stay in the, the milk of the word rather than moving on into the meat of the word. As, as children, they remain unstable. They're easily led astray. And our enemy, Satan, what does the word say? He's like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And who does he end up devouring, church? He looks for the ones that are on the edge. The ones that are inconsistent in fellowship that, oh yeah, I, I, I come a little bit. I'm, I'm in the word a little bit here. I fellowship a little bit when it's convenient to me. Those that are on the edge, on the outskirts, the enemy, the lion is looking for those that he can devour. He's looking for the ones that aren't paying attention. They're inconsistent in their life and in prayer and they're really not focused on the things of God and because they're not focused on the things of God, they become easy pickings for the enemy himself. And he's also looking for those who are wounded. And unfortunately, the woundings of the body of Christ, sometimes it happens because of the body of Christ. There's wounds that happen when the church wounds an individual. But there's also wounds that come from the world. And so, again, if we allow those wounds to control our lives, suddenly the enemy looks and sees, oh, there's easy pickings. And it doesn't say, I'm going to come and I'm going to bother that one. It doesn't say that the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking who he might uh, just pick on or frustrate. No, he wants to devour you. He wants to destroy your walk in Christ, your relationship in Christ, all that Christ has caused and purposed you to be. Our strength both as individuals and also as a local body of believers, comes as we come together and we are equipped. We're prepared. We're trained in our Christian life. And secondly, it comes as we're edified, as we're being built up. We're encouraged. We're, we're challenged by and through the, the teaching of the Word and also in fellowship with one another. Remember the word says that uh, just as iron sharpens iron, so one brother or one man sharpens another. And the way that's done is by friction. I don't know if you've understood that or not. No, we, we are sharpened because we've grown dull. And the only way to make that dullness sharp again is to apply a lot of friction. And sometimes when we're dull in our Christian life and someone wants to come and sharpen us, we say, whoa, 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 I don't need that in my life. And yet everyone around you looks and says, oh, yeah, you do. You really do. And so we, we, we pull back from that. But in reality, that's, that's part of what the fellowship of believers is all about. And that's why Hebrews tells us, man, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is the matter of some. But he goes on to say, man, we need to prod one another along to, to good works. And when he uses that word prod, it's like a cattle prod. It's kind of like, okay, we, we need to encourage one another. And every once in a while, we get kind of stagnant in our walk. And we just need kind of the a cattle prod of the Holy Spirit. We need the cattle prod of another brother or sister coming along and saying, come on, be who you are in Christ. Live to the fullness and to the full potential of all that God has called you into the kingdom for. And beloved, that's what the Word of God does. And that's what fellowship within the body of Christ should do. Thirdly, we are strengthened when we are enabled. And that enabling comes, first of all, by, by being surrendered to and filled with and controlled by the Holy Spirit. 
open to him, surrendered, not holding anything back. But it also comes as the church itself enables individuals with giftings and callings in their life to move in those giftings. And that's part of the responsibility of the leadership to look and see those who are gifted, those who are called, those who have various purposes and allow them to minister and allow them to grow. This allows us, it enables us, it causes us to grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, and it causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. You see there, the the body as a whole. The whole body, he says. We see there the need for each portion of that body. And we also see the responsibility of each portion of the body. Every part doing its share. What does that mean? Well, if you take it down into the Greek and you translate it correctly, what it really means is every part doing its share. That means the whole of the community of believers together, working and moving For the cause of Christ. Every part within the community of believers doing their share. The unfortunate reality is within the church today, and not just the church outside of Calvary Chapel of Casagrande, but also including Calvary Chapel of Casagrande. 20% of the people do 80 or 90% of the work. And that's the unfortunate reality of the church today. The unfortunate reality of the church today is that probably... About 20% of the people do about 80% of the giving and the support of the ministry. Now, I don't know how much any of you give, and I praise God for that. But I am told, again, through the records that we have, that it is about 20% of the people that give about 80% of what it takes to do the ministry, the work of ministry for this fellowship within our community and around the world. Now, I say that, and yet at the same time, I have to say, I know that we are a giving people. We are blessed, and I've seen our fellowship stand up in some powerful ways and and rise up to the occasion, and I'm blessed by that mightily. Whenever a cause or a need is brought before us, you have stood in the gap and you've risen to that occasion and we're blessed by that. But as we, as the body of believers, come together, we need to realize the necessity of all of us being a part of the work, all of us being a part of the ministry, not just the paid staff, Not just the leaders or the elders, not just the teachers or the leaders of various ministries, but all of us being involved in the work of ministry. Look with me, if you would, in Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 4. Paul writing again, he says, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. 
If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. If ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Now, one of the things I want you to understand about this message this morning, we're not going to get into the gifts and the various uh, assortment of gifts and the, the purposes and the definitions of those. I think many times we, too often, the church looks at these gifts and the, the focus becomes on the gifts rather than really what Paul is saying both here in Romans. It's not so much the focus on the gifts as it is the focus of the reality that all of us are working together as one unit. And we're working for the greater good of the whole rather than for our own selves. And it becomes this idea of the focus being toward God and not toward me. Well, what is my gift? What is my ministry? Well, those are important things, and you need to look at that. But the focus needs to be toward the greater whole. Paul goes on here, and he speaks about how we need to live as believers. Still in Romans chapter 4, now in verse 10, he says, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, but being fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Do you realize what he just said? We serve the Lord by, again, being affectionate to one another, by giving preference to one another, by, again, being fervent in spirit. We're serving the Lord when we serve and we minister to each other. Verse 12, he goes on, he says, rejoicing in hope patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, and given to hospitality. But, Pastor, that's not my gift. That's not what it says here. He's saying this to all believers, that all of us need to be given to hospitality. And that does require some of you stretching. I know that, and I understand. There are those that have the gift of hospitality. They're, man, their home is wide open, their lives are wide open, they're always just reaching out. But, you know, every one of us is part of the body of Christ. We need to be given to hospitality. He goes on to say, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. How can I rejoice with those who rejoice? It's easy for me to weep with those who weep. Okay? I'll just be honest with you here. But if something really great happens to somebody, and I'm having a really bad day, it's hard for me to rejoice for you if my day is going bad. But yet, the Word doesn't give us that, that caveat. It doesn't give us that opportunity to say, well, except for certain days. The fact is, is I can rejoice when you rejoice because of my care, because of my love for you, because of my relationship with you as part of the body of Christ. When you rejoice, I can rejoice. When you mourn, regardless of what's going on in my life, man, I ought to be brokenhearted for you also. And he goes on. He says, be of the same mind toward one another. Don't set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. In other words, the, the class listing for the church is to be totally done away with. Within the church, there should be no racial barriers. There should be no society ba- barriers. There should be no barriers or uh, levels of, of anything at all. 
He says we are to associate with the humble. Don't be wise in your own opinion. Verse 17, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. And if it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. That means that I'm supposed to do everything I can to live in peace with the people that are around me. Everything that I possibly can. And we know that there are some people that it is just impossible to live at peace with. But you know what? We better be doing all that we can so that we can say, you know what? As far as it was possible with me, I've tried to make peace with this individual. Folks, this is the the working of the body of Christ as one body and with one focus. Not with individual focus, but with that one greater focus of the kingdom of God and God's desire and God's direction within the body of Christ. It's for the glory of God in mind for all that we do and not my own place, not my own position or my own selfishness. The only way that the body can function in this manner is by heeding what Paul has told them at the very beginning of this chapter in Romans 12. Look back up to verse 1, if you would. In the very beginning, Paul says, this is how this is done within the body of Christ. This is the only way that this can be done within the body of Christ. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. In other words, this is kind of the bottom standard of where we ought to be, is that we submit our lives as a living sacrifice to the Lord. But he goes on. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given to me, To everyone who is among you. Listen, church. I say this to everyone who is among you. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Do you see how this is the only way, really, that the body is going to be able to work as we've been designed and as we've been called by God to work, is if there is that real and true humility within the body of Christ? And we look at each other in a level ground as we look again in ministering to each other when we come into a place and we think, what's in this for me? No, that's not how we look. We come into a place and we think, man, Lord, what can I do? Why am I here? What have you called me to in this place? Why is this place my church home versus some other place? What is there within this body of believers that you want me to be involved in, actively a part of? Do you understand the importance of all of this? Again, if we are ever to be able to impact our community for Christ, is that the body of Christ has to be working in the correct way, form, and fashion. It's the only way we're going to be able to impact our community. It's the only way that the church is going to be able to impact the world. Now, not to belabor the point, but again, to simply drive it home just a little bit more, to to address it more, because for me, repetition works, okay? But go with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Still Paul writing, saying a very similar thing, but in a different way, and driving it home, hopefully, a little bit deeper for us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to begin down in verse 12. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. Paul writes, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. 
For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. And then I love Paul's humor in what he's about to say here. He says, why, if the foot were to say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? And if the whole were hearing, well, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow great honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. It seems that more and more people are getting caught up in a works-based expression of their faith. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. This is the book Pastor David is currently teaching through, Ephesians. You can get a free copy of today's teaching at our website. Simply log on to www.theopenword.com. That's theopenword.com. Although the open word is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's word from beginning to end. If not, we'd like to invite you to join us at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande for worship on Saturday evenings, Sunday mornings, or Wednesday evenings. For service times, driving directions, and more information, log on to theopenword.com. And follow the link to the church website. Finally, we want to encourage you to follow us on Twitter, The Open Word Radio, or log on to TheOpenWord.com and follow the link right there on the homepage. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to The Open Word with David Landry. Please join us next time as Pastor David continues teaching verse by verse through the book of Ephesians. That's next time on The Open Word.